You're listening to the Jerry and Jacoby podcast, Success Without Sacrifice, a podcast by two entrepreneurs at different stages of life, sharing real life experiences, managing a successful business and family life. It's honest talk about lessons learned, balancing family, faith, business, and personal growth on the journey of making our dreams a reality. Now, here are your hosts, Jerry and Jacoby. Hey, everyone. I want to welcome you to the Jerry and Jacoby podcast, Success Without Sacrifice. I'm Jacoby here with my good friend and co-host, Jerry. And every episode, we'll be bringing you honest conversations about what really matters and how to create success without sacrificing the things you love the most. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about how you should follow your commitment and not follow your passion. So why should you not follow passion and follow your commitments? What are the differences in that? Why does that make sense? And what you should do? Yeah, this is one of those topics that we're jumping in on that, uh, man, do I feel like a hypocrite talking about this just because you look at, uh, you know, I look at what kind of the big picture and I just see some areas where I know that, that it uh, failed in this. And so it's, you know, we tend to want to talk about the things that uh, we have under control or that uh, we're really good at. And I, I think there's some areas in my life that I'm really good at this and that I see some areas in my life that some, that I really struggle with this and not just really struggle with it like today, but consistently over time. Like the one, the big one that comes to my mind for me is my weight. And, you know, we've talked about that a little bit here and trying to get that in check. And I don't think that I've shown the consistency of commitment when it comes to that. Um, I've, I've had windows of commitment to that, but if you look at the big picture, uh, I would probably say that I failed in that. So, you know, for me, I'm looking at the, you know, my initial thought was go to the areas where I struggle. And that's kind of where I landed with this right out of the gate when we were uh, texting back and forth on what we wanted to talk about today. Usually in, yeah. And usually this always comes up at the beginning of the year too, because, or it's a lot of a topic that is on people's minds because it's always New Year's resolution time, you know, like where we're like, all right, New Year's <laughs> coming, time to reset, time for me to get my life in order. Now this is what I'm going to do. And so actually it was really a good topic to think about uh, for myself as you're planning, you know, planning business for the new year and what you want to, your New Year's resolutions, even though a lot of times I don't like doing New Year's resolutions, but like I said, around this time, this is when it comes up. Um, and it's good to see like, what did I commit to last year and did I not follow up on and what did I actually follow through on this year or did I actually follow through on and make some progress on? And so I think you're exactly right. I mean, that's just human nature. You know, we, we, we tend to get excited about things and then we let some other things go and then all of that, but it's always good to have some tools on how to stay focused and how to get, you know, back on track with things. And so the real question is, or at least that came up for me is, why is it important for us to follow our commitment rather than our passions? Because you hear a lot of talk of like, follow your passion, like whatever you're passionate about or whatever you love, do it and you'll never work a day in your life or, you know, those sorts of things. But why is it important for us to follow commitment rather than passion. 
Well, in a simple way, the way I broke it down, like I started to think about things that I'm passionate about in life. And I'm talking more like simplistic stuff. Uh, this example of uh, RC cars, radio control cars. Like this is something that uh, I've at times in my life have been passionate about. Now, I'm not writing books about it. I'm not out telling everybody they need to get RC cars, but I tend to, I get pretty excited about it. And so there's a story behind this. So for years, every year I would buy an RC car for the kids for Christmas. Now I have three boys, 25, 20, and 14. And so I've had a lot of years where I could buy RC cars. None of my kids ever got into RC cars, but every year I bought one. And so I started to break this down, like, what in the world? Why am I buying these cars? And I pinned it back to, there was a time when I was a kid, I had to be seven years old. I got this cool Lamborghini RC car. And this is back in the 80s. So the Lamborghini was, the that was it. I mean, that was the big luxury, not luxury car, but big sports car that everybody loved. And we were, it was Christmas morning, got it. And my dad was putting the batteries in it and the batteries wouldn't go in it right. And they kept popping out and popping out. And then he couldn't get the cover on. He ended up throwing it and smashing it. So this is my, like the sweet Christmas gift that I get super excited about it. And boom, I watch it glow basically up in flames, uh, figuratively speaking on Christmas morning. And that has, uh, I always call it the, or my kids started joking that I was buying RC cars every year to fill the hole in my heart from that moment in my life. And so I finally, a couple of years ago, just let it go and decided, you know what, I'm getting an RC car for me. And so I ended up, I've got a couple of them and sometimes they sit on the shelf for months, but sometimes they, uh, you know, we're playing with them every day. And that, kind of leads back to so there's moments in my life that I'm passionate about it but I'm not really you know this is a little bit silly but I'm not committed to the RC car just passionate about playing with it every now and then yeah it's probably a a Lamborghini Countach yes it was yep yeah yeah red one red one yeah yeah they're always red (laughs) it's always that one yeah you got me excited too because I I love RC cars as well that's a good thing to to learn about you I didn't even know that I'm not going to get into that one because <laughs> I buy I buy RC cars as well for my oh, kids. Oh, there we go. So, I'm like, so, they love this. <laughs> here we are. So as we're recording this, this is right before Christmas. And so I got to figure out which one I'm getting myself for Christmas this year. Nice. Absolutely awesome. But that's exactly right. So yeah, so the, the thing I pull out from there though is is passions go and come. They kind of go in waves. They flow up. They flow down, uh, come and go. And so... Also, I think passion is a little bit emotional as well, right? Your emotions, your passions sometimes can be driven by your emotions, like what's happening in the moment, kind of nearsighted, like short-sighted on things, which isn't a bad thing, right? And so like passion and emotion is really, really good. I kind of think of it as like kindling, like whenever you're going to start a fire, like you need that to start the fire to get it going. But uh, eventually you need something that's going to be like better fuel and better, better uh, burning for you. And so it's really good in the beginning, but not good to sustain you throughout. So you need a commitment 
before or after? That's another question just popped in my head. So whenever you commit, do you need to commit before you actually start something or do you have a passion and then you actually commit to it afterwards? What do you think on that one there? That is uh, the question. And I think if, and I'm just looking, I'm running through this kind of real quick in my head, like the things that I would say that I'm passionate about. And I would say that the commitment came after the passion was developed. I think that'd be a natural sequence. Or like, even if you look at it from, let's just break it down with Cooper. So Cooper's my 14 year old, um, plays baseball, plays uh, some travel ball, uh, has plays on a, you know, a, a good solid team here locally. And he has decided that he's committed to playing baseball, but that was developed because he had a passion to play it when he was younger. And so that passion made it to where he would, you know, love to go to practice, want to practice, want to go out there uh, and hit off the tee. And, you know, now he's going to, you know, strength and conditioning and speed and agility classes. But I know for a fact that he doesn't always want to go you know, to strength and conditioning and speed and agility. But the reason he does is because he's committed to becoming better at baseball. And so the passion, I think, I think you're going to see the passion probably raise your awareness of that's something you want to do. And the commitment would come after that. Yeah. I think commit and commitment kind of comes in stages as well. Right. And so when the one thing I think about is like, we are committed, I guess what I would say is we like our family, I'd say we're a jujitsu family now. I would say you are, (laughs) which is kind of funny, funny to say, but that really comes from, I guess, myself being committed to a few different things. Number one is, is committed to raising my boys for one in, in the way that I think they need to be raised. And part of the reason why we're doing jujitsu is to teach them about adversity, teach them how, what it means to actually fight for something and also like humility, jujitsu makes you real humble because you get your you get your tail kicked like every single day. <laughs> no matter how good you are, you're gonna find yourself in a situation where you're like, I don't know what's going on. I'm also actually kind of tired here, and I have someone who's trying to choke me out. So that like does a lot to your psychology, <laughs> right? And so I'm committed to wanting my boys to be able to be successful in those situations whenever they come up later in life. And I just feel like jujitsu is a very good avenue in order to do that. And so I would say I'm passionate about jujitsu, but I don't know if I'm necessarily committed to jujitsu. I'm committed to the intangible things that you gain from jujitsu, but because I compete and I do some other things, like it, it also makes me passionate about it. And then my kids as well, like they like competing when they don't get, when they don't get like first place, their passion definitely goes down. They like, don't want to do it as much. And so, um, you know, that's kind of that ebb and flow as well. But the commitment I think also has to be to like a higher purpose almost as well in order to keep you into it. Well, I think that's true for me definitely. Cause I don't know that I'm necessarily passionate about, anything that I do like work related, like I look back at my jobs and I never, I've never had a job where it's like, I want to be in that industry or I want to do that thing, but I've been very committed to my jobs. Uh, And off of that commitment, I've been able to develop some passion. So I'm almost 
kind of going back on what I said a couple minutes ago about the, the passion comes first. Cause like, if you look in real estate, it was, you know, I've, I've shared the story before how I got into real estate and it wasn't because I uh, had this desire to show people houses or loved the housing market or knew a whole lot about the market. It was more the opportunity presented itself and it was a great opportunity. So I took it, but I would say now that I have, uh, I've developed some passion over real estate. So yeah, I guess I have to go back on what I said. Yeah. And I don't really know if which one comes first or not. I think it depends on the situation, right? So even in one thing I know, so if we go to our, our jobs in real estate wise, the one thing I know is that I'm committed to helping people and I'm committed to trying to help other people be successful, which I think it's Ziegler said, you can get what you want as long as you help other people get what they want, essentially. And so, you know, it doesn't really matter what I'm doing if I'm, you know, selling newspapers or doing real estate or whatever else, like I'm committed to helping better people's lives. And so with that, and also committed to being the best. So like, no matter what I do, I want to be number one at it. And so, you know, if that's, you know, flipping hamburgers or if that's selling houses, like I'm going to be the best in this group of whatever we're doing. And so, um, so I don't know if the passion or the commitment comes first, but I think you should, you definitely have to be committed. I think you need to be committed to a higher purpose. I guess if that's, that's kind of where I would go with that one. Yeah. So if I look back at the real estate thing, the reason I liked real estate was I, I felt it provided the best opportunity for me to dig out of the hole that we were in. And when you're, you know, when you're standing in front of the hole or when you're at the bottom of the hole that I was in at the age of 43, you know, kind of the traditional textbook model of, you know, get a job, save for retirement, build your pension that's out the window. And you, you know, I had to quickly figure out what direction do I need to go to get us out of the hole and then not just get out of the hole where I survive, but where we can thrive as a family. And so my commitment was to, to the family and making sure that I provided. And, and so, yeah, there definitely was a commitment there before passion in real estate. And then we even looked at the definition of commitment, right? So what is actually the definition of commitment? Yeah. So there's two parts that, you know, it says the state or quality of being dedicated to a cause or activity. And then the part that in that I like the second definition that I liked was an engagement or obligation that restricts freedom of action. Yeah. So when I originally read that, I'm like, man, it actually restricts freedom of action. And initially I was like, man, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Like it's actually restricting your freedom of action, but that, that actually in all sense is probably a good thing, right? Yeah. The way I look at it is it's that whole, the lines on the side of the road that keep you on the right path. And so, you know, the action would be going over the, over the line and getting off track and you know your commitment restricts the freedom of getting off track and so it keeps you between the lines and it keeps you on the path that that you want to be you know keeps you in the going the direction you want to go without allowing to get you off track too far yeah so whenever we think of at least when i think of like restricting action i always think it's a bad thing but in all actuality it's probably a good thing 
because it keeps you focused, right? It keeps you focused on where you want to go, what you want to do, wherever your focus goes, that's where your energy goes. And so if you're not focused on something, if you don't know what it is, then you actually can, you know, you, you open yourself up to a lot of different things. So if you don't know where you're going, you could end up anywhere. And if you want to end up in one place, then you've got to know what you're doing and, and actually cut off all the other possibilities of what you can do. It reminds me of uh, one of the stories that Bo Eason told when we were out at his, um, what was that, the Power of Story event out in California. And Bo told a story about it if a plane takes off in California and, you know, in LA and it's going to LaGuardia, New York, and I don't remember the specifics, but he's off by two degrees by the time he gets to New York, you know, he's like, he actually won't get to New York. He'll end up in North Carolina. Um, But if he makes an adjustment, which they often have to do, you got to make adjustments to stay on track. And that's the, you know, your, it's your commitment to, in that instance, be a good pilot. But in our instance, it's, you know, it's our commitment to stay on track to meet the, to, to attain the goals we have before you get too far off, you're making some adjustments and that comes from the commitment. That's actually one of the best. I always love that analogy because I think that's actually one of the best analogies for, for this, right. Is like whenever you take off, whenever a plane take off, takes off, like they're actually always readjusting is what it actually is. Like they're always heading back and there's multiple ways to get to your destination. Right. And so what you've constantly got to be doing is you've constantly got to be checking in. You've constantly got to be checking to make sure you're on the right path, because if you don't, you will end up. And actually Tony Robbins uses the same analogy as well. He actually says it's like a millimeter. Right. And so like a millimeter, like spread over a long period of time, is actually a really great distance. So like the difference between like being good and great and being great and outstanding or phenomenal is actually just a milli, like could be just a millimeter. And so I think that's, that's really, really good. One of the other quotes that comes to mind for me is that I always think about when I'm thinking about commitments is the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I didn't mean to do that. Yeah, exactly. And the reason why that always comes up, probably because I have kids and like every time they do something, they're like, oh, what? I didn't mean to do like I wasn't trying to do it like I did. It wasn't on purpose. And like, of course, with your kids, like that's OK. You know what I mean? At least on certain things. So you're like trying to teach them, you know, different things. And if they do something, and it's on accident versus on purpose. You know, obviously, you're going to treat them differently. But the key point there is like most of the time we never intend for things to go bad. Like, I don't know anyone who's like, I don't want to be successful and I don't want this to happen. And then they like go down that path. Right. And so the problem is, or at least what I've done with myself is like, I basically wipe that excuse out. Like that cannot be an excuse for me because I'm like, yeah, I already know I didn't want something bad to happen. So like, it almost sounds ridiculous for me to even say it you know? And so that's why you've got to be so intentional about your commitment and like your decisions on what you're doing. Yeah. That's, um, that's a good one to think about. I was just, I, I kind of lost myself in thought as you were talking about some of the, 
the scenarios in my life that I didn't intend for things to turn sideways. But and as I took a quick look at that, really, you know, I didn't intend to happen, but that means I wasn't paying attention. And so I'd let that, you know, something got off track a little bit early. And then by the time I got a hold of it, I was so far off track. Uh, like I was talking uh, last night, Holly and I are in this uh, little bit of a kick. I'm almost embarrassed to say we are watching the show Bar Rescue, the TV show. And so it's John Taffer. He goes in and it's, it's it's along the, you know, the reality show of like Hell's Kitchen. And, you know, he, he goes in the kitchen, the bar, everything's a mess. He yells and screams and then he builds it back up, you know, so it just follows that. But the thing that intrigues me is when he walks into these failing bars, like I totally understand where some of these bar owners are at. And it's the, he's yelling at them like, you know, it doesn't take any money to keep a clean kitchen, you know, that, and he's, and, and they don't really have an answer. You know, some of them don't have an answer. And like, I remember that feeling of helplessness where things were so crappy, like you couldn't do anything right. Because you weren't engaged, you were so focused on the stress and the problem in that moment that you couldn't see anything. You know, there was things in my business, in my heating and cooling business, that I could have fixed uh, if I had been paying attention. But because I had let everything just pile on top of me, I couldn't pay attention to it. And it goes back to if you know, you're. I think you know, if you're going to avoid the whole, you know, the road to hell, these you know, or you know, is led by good intention is you just have to be paying attention. I mean, you have to be aware. And we talked about this on other podcasts, just you have to have an awareness of where you're at and where you're going. And I think it's kind of like the world we live in is like, you know, we're like, okay, well, I didn't mean for that to happen. So like it almost like it didn't happen. Like you've got to live in reality. And so like coming in and like, almost like you're saying, like not paying attention you've got to have a check in there somehow, even if it, we take the airplane analogy we used before, like if you're not paying attention where you're flying, like you, you'll bend up. If I'm flying to Florida and you know, I take off from Midland, Texas, if I don't pay attention, I could be in North Carolina. Well, if you start getting off track, it's like, okay, well I need to adjust a little bit here, you know, just to make sure you actually get into, into the right space. And so I think that's, that's just kind of, you know, you just got to have those checks. You got to check in every single day. And it's really easy, I think, to check out. And I think it's also hard because you have to know where you're going, right? You got to know the destination, which is probably the other most important part. Like how many times do we start things and we say we want something, but yet it is so like uh, vague that we don't really know what it is. We think we know what it is, but we actually don't, you know, and so then we don't even know we're off course. So, you know, I think those are kind of the, the key factors in there, like that all kind of run together with commitment. For sure. And I want to back up a little bit because there's one other thing I wanted to talk uh, just in the in regards to passion. And the one thing that I see is I see passion from the negative standpoint in that I think passion can block your need for change. Uh, if you're so passionate about the wrong thing, you know, like it, 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 
like an example in business, like if you are so wrapped up in passionate about, okay, this is who we are, or this is our name, this is the name of our business, and this is my dream and my passion, like you're not even willing to make small changes to be able to, you know, to push your commitment forward or to get closer to, to what your real dream is. And uh, so sometimes I think the passion causes us to focus on the things in life and in business that are not helping us get to where we need to be or where, you know, sometimes even where we say we want to go. Yeah. So basically passion can, can blind you is what you're saying. Correct. It can get you started, but it can also blind you. 100%. So if we push it forward, it's really comes down to uh, what are you, what are you committed to? And this is interesting. Uh, and I think, I guess it's not really interesting, but I think it, it keeps coming back to this for me because we've talked about how I'm working on writing this life plan. And you know, I've got seven areas of my life that I'm trying to write a plan for uh, and, and very specific. Here's what I want that plan to look like. And I know a lot of people say, oh, you can't, you know, everything's going to change. You know, you can't make plans like that. And I, you know, I used to say that. And I think I said that because, you know, I was either afraid to make the plan or I didn't want to make a plan because, you know, if you have a plan and you don't, you know, you don't reach your destination, then you might feel like you failed. But I have some pretty clear thoughts on what I want a lot of areas in my life to look like. So now I'm putting pen to paper and I'm putting in the work of really becoming clear on where I want to go. And so, and that's, going to answer the question, you know, what am I committed to? Uh, and I, so I think that you really have to have a good handle on, you know, where you're headed. That's 100% right. Like you, you've been doing, it's really interesting because you're going through your life plan, doing that whole thing. And then I started evaluating some stuff for next year, as far as like, it, it always, a lot of the things I do revolve around the the real estate business. So trying to figure out what the plans are for next year, what the goals are for next year. And then in doing that, I come to realize like really in the end, I don't, I don't think I really know what I want. Right. And so like thinking about like this destination thing and still using the airplane analogy, it's like, okay, now I've taken off in my airplane. I don't even know, like, I don't even know where I'm going or what exactly I want. And so we have these goals, but then like there has to be something behind the goals. Right. And so like, I am committed to being the best, but committed to being the best also to what end, like, and where do I want to take that and what do I actually want to do? And so, you know, I think getting that, what do you actually want? really is the key, key component in almost everything that we do. And so I know I want to hit these goals, but then it's like, once you start doing things, because, you know, last year, uh, you know, it did not, yeah, 2019 was the best year for in real estate for, for myself. And so now it's like, you start getting to these goals, but it's like, why am I even hitting these goals? And like, am I just doing it to do it? And what's, what's behind it? And really the hard part to that is, is like, like things are really good, right? Like I don't really have like keep pushing and pushing and pushing and like, 
you know, I've already surpassed anything that I thought I ever would, especially in our industry for myself, even only being in four years. And so now it's like, what do I actually want and why am I actually doing what I'm doing? This is how it is for me when it comes to like attaining those goals. Like when I made the, a, a goal in real estate, I don't know if I thought, I guess I, this is probably what I thought is that if I make that goal, then the outcome is going to make me feel or put me in a position that I know I want to be, even though I don't really know what that is. I just get there and then we're going to be fine. But I get there and I'm like, okay, well, it's, this I isn't feel the exactly same. what I, I feel, thought it was. <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way I did before I even got there. Yeah. <laughs> or the feeling that you thought you, it like it just goes away, right? Like it was, you get it and then it's it's fleeting. And so that is, um, that's a really ever, good thing to start to unpack. You ever see, uh, it's a valid, a valedictorian, and I don't even know what college it was for, but this video, I've seen this video in multiple places and I finally watched it and he worked, you know, he knew that he was in line to get the valedictorian for his college. And, uh, so he got it. And when he got he got it and he got the call and he was super excited about it. And he said, then 15 minutes later, Oh, what does that even mean? And then he started to think about like all the relationships he sacrificed to study a little extra harder and all the, because his one goal was to win that award and you know, success is about sacrifice, right? That's Yeah. Success without sacrifice. You're always sacrificing something, but I don't, don't sacrifice out- the things you love. Yeah. I don't mean to throw out a video that I can't give any reference to, but yeah, it's all right. Yeah. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. Yep. I believe you. That's good. The other thing about commitment was it can, if you look at commitment, the way I broke it down, it can be extremely simplified. Uh, like, Hey, I need to get up at six o'clock every morning and I need to be committed to that. And so, you know, when that alarm goes off, you don't want to get up but I'm getting up anyways. I always think about uh, our friend Polly down in Destin, Florida, Polly Dominich. Did I pronounce his last name right? Yeah. All right. Dominich. So great guy. I mean, just like this guy, every time I've been around him, he is just 100% on, but he always talks about that. Like on his social media, he always talks about that uh, battle he has with his sheets every morning and uh, how he's got to beat the, you know, He's got to win. He's got to become, he's got to be the victor over the sheets because they feel so good. And so you have to be committed. So it could be simplified like that. But on the flip side, commitments are, can be, you know, very complex. And the one that comes to mind for me is the commitment of marriage. And like, I see a lot of people that uh, I, I know a lot of people in my life that are committed to their marriages you know, people around me like, well, why are you still with him? Or why are you still with her? Because they're committed to that. And then, or on the flip side, you see, you know, people that at one point were committed and then they got off track a little bit. And then the further and further they get off track, that commitment's no longer there. And, um, and so that can go both ways, but marriage is that one complex commitment. And I think, um, you know, growing up the way I did grow up there's certain relationships and that I don't think people should be committed to in certain behaviors in marriages that should not be tolerated but I see some people maybe given up where they don't necessarily 
need to give up or if they had kind of caught it earlier in the in the marriage that it wouldn't have gotten out of control like it did but marriage is that complex commitment yeah marriage is the marriage was probably one of the biggest uh that was probably my one area where i actually started to think about commitment and what did that actually mean and so that was really when it got got serious for me uh figuring out what commitment was and how commitment isn't based on your feelings and your passions and all that stuff. Like those were really like the thoughts that I went through before I actually got married. Yeah. One of my biggest, uh, the, the big, or the, my favorite quotes on commitments is commitment means staying loyal to what you said you were going to do long after the mood you said it in has left you. And so that's my favorite quote, but I want you to back up. I'm not letting you get away with this. You talked about your commitment to marriage and I know you and I've had some brief conversations about, the point in your life that you that you looked at like marriage was the route you wanted to go and that was when you were uh, coming out of the air force and you were you were not playing you know for i think most everybody here knows or if you don't know jacoby played football for the air force academy and had the opportunity uh to go to the nfl combine uh, I believe I may have this wrong, but go ahead and break that down because I know that time frame of going from Air Force to football and kind of making that decision on how you wanted to pursue your commitment to football played a big role in where you are today. So go ahead and break a little bit of that down. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I played, yeah, obviously played football uh, at the academy and wanted to play in the, like my dream was always to play in the NFL. And so obviously whenever you're going to play in the NFL, normally the best time to do that is right after you get out of college, you know, and teams are looking at you. And But when I got done, I had a two-year commitment to the Air Force, which you can still play in the NFL. But when I got done with college, for some reason, nobody really wanted me to play on their team. So I uh, didn't have that opportunity at that time. But as I was starting to, uh, in the Air Force, like they were doing some shifts in the force. And so they were letting officers out and doing some other things. So I decided, or I had this thought that maybe I could make another run at the, you know, at playing in the NFL. And so uh, whenever you do this, uh, you know, I was living life as a cyber operations officer in the Air Force. And so your lifestyle, I was still I was still um, working out and crossfitting and doing all that stuff. But your lifestyle as a professional athlete is actually way different than it would be when you're just, you know, doing CrossFit and working a normal day job. And so like the guys that are committed in the NFL, I mean, that that's a hard job. You only work 17 weeks out of the year, but you're always priming your body, you know, to be ready to play. And so the thing is, is like whenever I decided to, to make that run, uh, Andrea and I actually had a talk and I was like, I think I want to do this, but I'm going to give it one good solid year uh, to get ready and to actually, you know, make the push for this. And so whenever we did that, we came up with a plan. And one of those plans is basically I, I worked out three times a day for a whole year. And so, you know, working out three times a day, vigorous workouts as well, that takes a toll on you. And so, to, you know, what I had to do is mentally in my head, I had to say, 
you know, I'm committed to doing this and I'm going to get up no matter how I feel, no matter what goes on. And, you know, I'm going to work out every day. I'm not going to lunch with people. I'm actually going to do a workout at lunch. When I get off, I'm going to go and work out, lift weights, do whatever the plan is. And just to fast forward a little bit. So I did that. It actually, was, it was kind of funny. I, like whenever I started out, I ran a 40 with my buddy, a 40 yard dash. Like I think the first day I started out, I think I ran a a five second 40 or a four nine 40. It was, it was hilarious. And then by the time we were done, I think on my pro day, cause I ended up running at Florida state at a pro day. And I think I actually, the fastest time I got clocked in, I think was a four, four, nine. So it was pretty crazy. Yeah. Anyway. So when this whole thing happened, what ended up happening, I did all the training. We were going to different States to actually train with different coaches and stuff. Uh, whenever I had my pro day, they actually had a lockout. And so uh, the lockout happened for the NFL and they actually weren't talking to any players. And so bottom line is like the season didn't, didn't start the way it normally did. They didn't have many camps. So I didn't get to go to camps or anything like that. There were a couple of teams that were interested. Uh, But because I said, I'm only going to give it one year, I'm not going to drag my wife around trying to pursue the NFL. Uh, We just did that. But I had a lot of people that would ask me, they'd be like, dude, like you are so good. Like, why don't you just continue to, to, to push it out? And I was like, man, that, that year that I did that was like so taxing the commitment that I had to do that. Like people just don't understand like really what I went through and what we did in order to prep for like almost like one day it was a pro day, essentially. Uh, so you were day. married at this time? I was married at that time. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. We were married uh, at that time, but um, yeah, I didn't want to do it anymore after that. Cause I committed to a year and then I didn't want to commit to the uncertainty of, you know, going through things and working out like that and that hard for the rest of whatever time it was going to be. So you're looking to get on to the next chapter. Get on to the next chapter. We like gave it a good run, committed to it, and then, uh, you know, moved on from there. Nice. But I think the key point in there is like that was the commitment. So we gave up a lot of things during that year. Like I said, we we uh, went out to uh, Mississippi. We were traveling to Mississippi. We were going to Pensacola. Like we were doing all kinds of stuff just to train for this and, you know, eat in certain ways, not eating the way you know, you want to, uh, or the way you feel like you want to. And so, uh, those commitments in order to get what you want is kind of the, the key factor there. Yeah. I've always, uh, been intrigued on that. We've talked about that story briefly, but I wanted to tend to hear where that was. And the one thing that you didn't bring up that you kind of brought up, uh, in one of our conversations was this idea of, uh, when I say you were on to the next chapter, that was the uh, the wife and family chapter. Like, and so you had to make that decision, and you didn't think the uh, NFL life and that would have been able to coexist for you. Yeah, I think um, I, I actually that was probably more on the military side, um, as far as that. That you know, not really being able to exist. I think that was more on the military side than it was on the, on the NFL side. I already knew you already know the NFL is going to be a short, you know, that's not really a long-term, long-term deal. So, you know, see, so you'd be able to do both with that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 
Well, I think that's a great conversation on passion versus commitment and making sure that, uh, that we're, we understand that commitment means staying loyal to what you said you were going to do long after the mood you set it in has left. And so for right now, we're going to take a break uh, for our segment, Time to Invest, where we're going to cover a great tip on investing in real estate. Welcome to another segment of Time to Invest. Today, I am going to answer the question that I get probably more than any other question when it comes to investing, and that is, where do you find the houses? Because that is the trick. Where do you find the deals? And there are a lot of areas that we search for deals, and I'm just going to go through that list real quick. One is that we market to probate and estate sales. We market to tax delinquent. So if you are on the county tax delinquent list, uh, you are on a list that we can gain access to and we can market to that property. There's absentee owners. You can also get that list. And on top of absentee owners, there's a list that's called vacant houses that are absentee owners. And what that means is that the owner of the property has a different mailing address than that property. So they are typically an investor or they own two houses and this house is not their primary residence. So if you target the app, the vacant absentee owners, they're typically a little more motivated. And then on top of that, you have vacant out of state absentee owners. And so you can break the list down in any of those categories. And then you also have pre foreclosure. Those are the top list that we use uh, to find motivated sellers. And so what do we do when we get that list? So there's a couple things you can do when you get that list. And there are companies out there that you can get these lists from. Um, or you could just go to public record and you can get access to a lot of uh, this information as well, depending on how much legwork you want to put in. But we get the list and we mail to the list. Uh, most of the investors that I know do direct mail. and um, but the other thing, on top of the direct mail, uh, they're not just sending one letter. Um, most of the uh, experts uh, in direct marketing to, uh, to motivated sellers saying that you have to mail them seven times. And so it's the consistency of the mailing is where you find the success. The other thing that you can do is you can call, you can do a thing called skip tracing. And what skip tracing is, is I can send that list and I think it's like 10 or 12 cents per record. They will search all the public data information and pull back any phone numbers associated with that name and that address. And so I can take my list and get all the names and numbers. And when calling those lists, if I'm talking to at least 10% of the people of the numbers that I call, if I actually get to have a conversation with at least 10% of the people I'm calling, that's going to be considered a good list. That will be considered a list that has very good information. The data is good on that and we can target it that way. The other thing, and I have not done this yet, but I know a lot of investors are also texting the list. The one thing when it comes to calling and texting, you have to be really careful with your local laws. Uh, I've known some investors that, uh, I don't know any investors personally, but I know of investors that have gotten in trouble uh, off of calling and texting that list. And uh, I believe, I know some investors that have pay, had to pay 
a penalty of anywhere between $2,000 and $10,000 for getting busted, uh, not following the local regulations when it comes to your calling and your texting. So you got to be real careful and track that down, what that means to you. So again, just kind of go over it real quick. You got the probate and estate um, estate properties, tax delinquents, absentee owners, vacant absentee owners, and vacant out-of-state absentee owners. And then you also have your pre-foreclosure. You get that list and you mark it to the list. That's how we find properties. Now that all sounds like a ton and it is a, it's a big commitment in both time and money. And so if you are more of a part-time investor, what you want to do is you want to find guys like us that are marketing to these lists in areas that you want to purchase properties and you want to be, you want to get on their buyers list. So there's a lot of investors that have buyer lists when we have properties that we get that we're not going to buy and keep ourselves. Uh, We are looking for buyers for those properties and those are called off market properties. And so you want to get on somebody's list who's selling off market properties. And that's the way that I would tell you that that's how you're going to find deals. All right, and welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that segment there of Time to Invest. Just to wrap things up here on this episode, talking about here, don't follow your passion, but follow your commitments. And your commitments are going to get you where you actually want to go. So talked a little bit about how passion can fade. Uh, Passion and emotion is a good way to get you started. But your commitment is actually going to be what's going to carry you through. And your commitment is your destination. What are you actually committed to and where are you going? Uh, Talked about uh, a plane, you know, whenever a plane takes off, actually most of the time, a lot of the time, it is actually not on course. They're always course correcting. That was an an example that uh, we learned from one of our coaches and mentors, Bo Eason, which he's also got a really good book out uh, that he just wrote recently, which is called There Is No Plan B. So he talks about uh, having a 20-year plan, being committed to that, and uh, actually getting through uh, that there is no plan B and getting through to what you actually want. And the other quote that I really, really like is, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So we spoke about how uh, we always, usually most of the time, we always want things to go well. And so that is actually, you know, your intentions are not a great way to get what you want. You know, don't use that as an excuse in order to uh, not follow through, but use that as a way to, you know, make sure you're staying on the right path and uh, actually course correcting. And then knowing what you're committed to is the number one goal in all of that. And so I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, the latest episode here, you can find us. We changed the Facebook group name. It is now Success Without Sacrifice. So you can find us and you can connect with us on our Facebook group, Success Without Sacrifice. We'd love to hear from you there. And also, we'd like to ask you if you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes, leave us a five-star review and a rating. It always helps us out. So until next time, we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Jerry and Jacoby podcast. If you walked away with something of value, we hope you'll share it with a friend. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast so you get notification of all new episodes.